This is the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott at Akron Jackson at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms at facebook.com slash A to Z podcast at A to Z podcast.com. Shouts as always to scene to the honeymoon grill to our longtime friends at American Fireworks in Hudson. Always open 24 seven at American Dre, I know you're in Arizona where the weather is almost always nice. Kind of feels like fireworks weather here today. Um, it is St. Patrick's Day, a early afternoon Eastern time as we're recording this. Just kind of setting the stage for everybody. Um, not that you wouldn't know the difference, but there's a small chance we'll get <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes into this and then have to reset if the Browns do make a significant free agency move. They made one um, on Monday, you know, uh, we'll see. The NCAA tournament starts this week. Baseball is just around the yeah. corner. The Cavs is the Cavs, as my buddy Juju would say. I don't know where to start, Dre. How are you, buddy? I'm all right. Uh, the weather actually hasn't been great here so far. Not that anybody. I mean, it's been kind of what it is back at home. Uh, so it's been uh, a little bit cooler than what we're used to. I'm sure it'll heat up sooner or later. Um, then I don't know no one right now cares or and should care, and they can make fun of me for this. I'm a little worried because we start a game tonight at 6 o'clock Pacific time, and it's only going to be about 60 degrees, and I'm suddenly realizing I don't know if I brought a, a long sleeve sweatshirt that I can wear on TV. Uh, <laughs> so I might be a little cold tonight. Who knows? St. Patrick's Day. Um, it's weird, that, I mean, that I'm always out here on St. Patrick's Day other than last year um, because about 13, 14 years ago, before I had the job that I currently have and before I was married, but I was dating the same person, I came out here. Uh, because at the time, it was probably 14 years ago, at the time I knew, and this is what you do when you're younger, <clears throat> I knew I could travel out to Arizona, and I knew there was a house that I could crash with uh, my girlfriend, with Nick Camino, uh, in the WTAM house. So we came out here, and we had a buddy that lives in Vegas, and we were like, yeah, let's do St. Patrick's Day in Arizona. We'll go to a game. We'll go out you know, in, in Arizona. It's a Saturday. It should be one of the best St. Patrick's Day you know, ever, right? We all grew up in Northeast Ohio. If you grew up in Northeast Ohio, um, St. Patrick's Day, for whatever reason, maybe because it's cold, maybe because we got a lot of white people. I don't know. There's a lot of white people everywhere, so I won't use that excuse. But we were thinking, you know, Arizona would be like Akron, like Cleveland. St. Patty's Day, the world stops. I went to a Catholic high school, and I think I, was, I learned I was allowed to drink at 15 years old when I was at St. Reed because of St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> um, and so we come out here, my buddy, who I'll remain nameless if he listens to the podcast, Good to see you. Good to hear from you, brother. I know you'll be texting laughing that I'm telling this story. So we meet at the game. It was like a 1 o'clock Saturday game. Uh, Indians were playing. It's St. Patrick's Day. And I was like, well, I'm not going to get wasted. I'm not going to drink too much. before. I'm not going to pull a Zach Jackson at an Indians game because I might see people that I, that I work with or around or whatever else. And we proceed. We get to the game at 1 o'clock. Jen has like one or two. I have one or two. And my buddy from Vegas shows up just – I don't know how because he drove from Vegas and Vegas is like a three and a half, four hour drive from where I'm at here in Goodyear, um, Arizona to Vegas. And he shows up and he's already like tanked at the game. And it's like the third inning. And I'm like, how in the world are you tanked already? And he's like, ah, you know, we stopped before we came in for, for, a, you know, and had mimosas, whatever. So I'm like, and I look at Jen and I was like, there's no way we're going to make it all day. But he's from um, Cleveland, Cleveland. And he's like, bullshit. I'm going to make it all night. Well, he ended up making it all night, which was fine. Um, and what we found out, the whole point of this, the genesis of the story is St. Patrick's Day is not big in Arizona at all. We went out that night uh, into the, the Glendale area right next to the football stadium where they have all their bars, all their restaurants and everything else. 
And it was just another Saturday night. And the disappointment of five to six kids uh, all from Northeast Ohio thinking they were going to come to Arizona and tear it up yeah. on St. Patty's Day. We, it, it crushed us because there was no St. Patty's Day um, celebrate. I mean, yeah, there were, you know, there were, it just wasn't the same. The Irish bars kind of was like, yay, but it wasn't what we have in Northeast Ohio. I know in our last podcast, I think you were worried that today would be amateur day and everybody would screw up everything we got going on with COVID. Yeah. Um, I tend to agree with, I tend to agree with that. And I hope that that's not the case, but um, yeah, St. Patrick's day, a day that used to be like one of my favorite days of the year being a black Irishman. Um, <laughs> not that big in Arizona where I'm usually at. Now, so I'll just, <laughs> it's supply and demand, you know? Um. <laughs> exactly. A lot of things I learned about Catholic high school. But before we start talking about the Ohio State basketball tournament and I get in trouble anyway, um, I, I do want to talk, Dre, about pandemic spring training, pandemic baseball, and um, what your level of connection to the rest of the sports world is because i'm quite sure you're under yeah. some different regulations and working some strange hours out there and mm-hmm. right and you just haven't mm-hmm. been anywhere but before i forget um because you said on twitter you wanted to talk about this and i want to know mm-hmm. too um francisco lindor had some interesting comments about feeling disrespected i guess that people called him frankie um yeah you know, you know him. I don't. To me, that was common. I, I just before we got too far, I, I didn't want to. You know, it, it's like a lot of other things; um, they go away quickly. But I, I know that a lot of people have interest in this, so I just wanted to make sure we got it out there specifically because we don't have like a, an A lead item here as, as we're rambling through right. this today. Right, which will make this one fun. I'm glad you brought it up and you remember because usually when we want to remember something, neither exactly, we, we never so, do. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's a big that's a big move that Zach remembers that this guy, person asked about this. Um, I've got. It's, I'm glad you asked because it's a. I, there's a lot to it to me, and I know when it first happened, I was like you know, the whole Frankie Francisco thing. First happened, I was like on vacation in Hawking Hills with my family, and I like laughed, and I people on Twitter were you know people. I had text messages and I had, you know, Twitter, everybody. Well, what do you think? You talk calling Frankie every day. And I just didn't answer anybody. But what I did do is I text Frankie, the name Frankie, 25 times in a row and said, that that sure is lazy. (laughs) And because that's the type of person I am, I won't even put the word that I was going to put on it. If you know me, you know that um, I push buttons and I sent that to him. Um, Here's what I'll say. I am not perfect in any shape, way, or form. I'm working every day to be the best person I can be before I try to be the best reporter I can be. Um, I will never – I might mess with someone's name up. That's only because I've got Doug Deacon tongue at times and I mumble through certain things or I try to say things too fast. Um, and I apologize to anyone that I say their name wrong or I don't pronounce you know pronounce every, every letter the way it should. I'll admit I have trouble with that sometimes. But I know one damn thing for sure. And I've told Mr. Lindor this in the last few days, and we're fine. Um, there's no way in the world I was ever lazy and what I called or did not call him because the one thing I do, and I know Tom Hamilton does this as well, the first thing we do when a guy gets called up or when a player gets called up or when you meet him in spring training is you introduce yourself and you say to them, okay, what do you like to be called? What do you like, who, you know, where are you from? All, you know, all those things. And I know for 100% sureness, when Francisco Lindor was, was called up for people that forget or people that don't know, we were in Detroit and we, and it just, it was happenstance. 
we walked into the, the first day he walked into a big league park as a big leaguer, he walked in with me. And it was just because I happened to be walking into the park at the same time. And one of the first things I said to him as we were walking in, and we knew each other from spring trainings. It wasn't like it was the first time I was meeting him. But I remember saying, and I brought this up to him last week or two weeks ago, I looked him right in the eye. I go, all right, Frankie, what do you want to be called? What do you, what do you want? And he said, Dre, I don't give a shit what you call me. Just don't call me an asshole and start laughing. That was six years ago, six and a half years ago, whatever. Um, there were plenty of other times where I've gone to him because there were, there were there early in his career. I remember someone tweeting at me saying, it's, you know, why are you calling him that? Blah, 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 blah. Um, anyone that's ever, anyone that's listening to this podcast that ever knew, knew or watched how I covered Francisco Lindor, if you covered any of the last six years and you came to the Indians clubhouse, um, it's a pretty good chance you heard he and I yelling at each other from across the clubhouse. Um, about anything, whether it be my, my shoes, what I'm wearing, his feet, um, we were, we were like, we were like you and your brother growing up. We yelled and screamed at each other, laughed, made fun of each other every single day. I went to him again and asked him about his name four or five years ago. He said, "Dre, whatever you call me is cool, man. Don't worry about it." So I don't really give a flying fuck what he's told the New York media. Um, but I'm not mad about it either because I kind of foresaw some of this stuff coming. Frankie is a young dude who's got, um, he wants to be great. Um, and he wants to be, he wants to be the star of the town. And I think he's getting ready to learn Zach, um, that you better be careful and bite off more than you can chew. Um, I think he's what, and, and I, and we, he said this to me and I know I've said it on a podcast before we had a running thing that we've said for years. He was, you know, he would make fun of me sometimes or we would make fun of each other. And he would kind of say, you know, you better you better eat up eat up all the friends, all the Lindor time you can get before you, go, you better become a star while I'm here. And uh, he goes, because you're gonna miss me when I'm gone. And I would always say back to him, you're gonna miss me when you're gone. <laughs> um, and I think what happened in that, and I'm not putting anybody down, and I hope New York media is listening to this. I could see Francisco sitting around a room, and you know, and this is this is the hard part of our jobs, but everybody has different ethics, Zach. But I, and I don't know this for a fact, I have text with Francisco since this happened. We are fine. We, he, he called me a dick because I kept just sending Frankie, 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 Frankie over and over again because that's me. I'm childish. But what I'm guessing, and this is just my pure speculation, is that Francisco was sitting in a room with probably all the, beat, all the writers or all the, the radio and TV team, like he would do with us at times. And he probably, they probably asked him, and he's, now that he's an adult or he sees himself as a big-time adult who's going to take over New York, and he's a dad now, and Frankie sounds more childish, even though he doesn't realize everybody has a nickname. And usually if you call somebody a nickname, that's an endearing quality that means I like you and we really like you more when we call someone a nickname. I think he went to their play-by-play guy and their guys and was kind of like, no, call me Francisco. Those guys in Cleveland were lazy when they said that. Now, as a reporter, Zach, when you get that flippant comment, I think you may write in a story, we're going to call him Francisco Lindor, despite him being called Frankie in Cleveland. I think, in, I think if Tom Hamilton hears that or Andre not hears that or Matt Underwood hears that, we would just go in there and say he's going to go by Francisco Lindor going forward. Um, some people, especially when you're in New York and you want to have, and you want to have the first you know, big story or, you know, or have the, you know, the, something no one else has and you're in New York and you want to separate yourself as a reporter, you go live on there and you say the exact quote. And you put him out there and make him have to swim in it, right? Where most reporters would just put that as a side note. Um, I think what Lindor is finding out, and as I told him, 
you miss me, motherfucker. Because <laughs> now every little thing you whisper, he's got to be careful what he says and what he does not say. Because, I mean, and, and every athlete yeah. goes through this that gets covered every day, right? Like, there's all kinds of little things I hear in passing that I would never say on TV, that I'll never say on radio. Yeah, I have Yeah, I, I have three, three thoughts, and especially numbers two and three I want you to um, build upon. But number one, it's given the state of things in the world, it's just nice for me to sit here and know that a Puerto Rican and an Irishman can get along. Um, number two, <laughs> I would just say that um, everybody goes through a breakup. Right, whether you're 12 or you're 46, and sometimes 50 times in between, and everybody leaves a job, and this, and like, you have feelings, right? And it can be the silliest, littlest thing, but it gets out. And even if you left a job or left a relationship, and you have all great vibes about it, like there were little things that bother you or little things that went on, and at some point you let them out. Us Mm -hmm. normal folks, we let them out to our best friend or to our mom or to our neighbor, right? And mm-hmm. he lets them out publicly. And that goes along with number three, which is just that, you know, in today's Twitter world, little silly things get blown up. And they usually only last 15 minutes, sometimes a day and a half, right? But mm-hmm. like, right. he was a big deal here for a long time. Baseball wants him to be a big deal for a long time. And it goes back to what you said, like, He's going to understand that from a national perspective in being what he wants to be and being what baseball wants and maybe needs him to be, right? Like everything he says right. is going to become that and does. It's going to become that disgusting thing. Stuff. So like this is the problem that we have. And you mentioned like from what I do, we die for guys to be open and tell us what really happened and what they really thought. And what really was and wasn't a big deal to them in a certain moment, right? And he's great at and he's great at doing that, but it's gonna it's about to bite him in the butt. Go yeah, on. but then you know, and then guys change, and then we're all screwed. Like, right. I hope the world of podcasting allows guys to open up and do that. But then you take it back to the locker room, to the clubhouse, to whatever, and sometimes guys just aren't going to go there anymore. You know, right. like, well, yeah. And, and and I get that. And I get where players don't trust. And see, and that's something he's going to have to go through. He's going to have to go through how much does he trust the new New York people? How much does he trust the guy that does my job? How much does he trust? Because everybody's going to smile on you. And, and New York media is different. Let's be honest. Every course in New York media is different. And, you know, there's not just, there's not going to be just, you know, is this not going to be four main people he's going to see every day? So he's got to understand and he's got to see how much do you want to give? Can I sit and can he? I mean, and maybe he can. And I have no jealousies in this. I mean, him, him and I, he and I had a running joke. And one of my friends told him years ago that they told us, they were like, Dre, when he leaves, you leave what you leave. And he's made that. And he's like, text and messed around. He's like, I don't know why you're still there. I thought our deal was you leaving when I'm leaving. And I'm like, dog, I'm, I'm good. I'm in a good place. I think. I go, if, if they don't renew my contract next year, come get me. Um, <laughs> the other part of this, and I want to mention it. And this is where I think Frankie needs to be careful. Frank, I'm the—he's Frankie in my phone, so I'm calling the motherfucker Frankie. Um, I can always be late. It won't be the first person to call me late, or the last. Um, him being Puerto Rican, and and I'm not Latin, but I'm trying to have a better understanding of what Latin guys go through. Um, just like sidebar, um, I will stand just as proudly and stand up for the Asian community as I ha- I did for the Black community 
as I will for women. Um, anybody that, that feels like they're in a place where they need someone's other people's voices um, to help them through their struggle, I'm going to be there for their struggle. Uh, and I hate what's happening to Asian Americans and Asians across the country right now. And it just continues to show um, the just continues to show how much people really don't understand life and just the lack of intelligence that we will use upon people um, to take out our own fears on them. And it's ridiculous. And we need to we grow out of that shit. More people need to step to people that they know that think like this and tell them how fucking ridiculous they are. Anyway, um, I know with some. Um, I know with some guys that are of Latin descent that they sometimes feel like when Americans get their names and, and give them nicknames that they're disrespecting their Latin names. Um, I would never do that purposely. And I think, and I, and I wanted Lindor to know that if he, because I know that there's been whispers as well. He feels like, well, the Americans, Americans can be lazy at times with our, with our names because they can't pronunciate them. Well, I can pronunciate Francisco, asshole, so that would never be the reason why I would do that. Um, now, there's others that I can't. I think that I think one, the one thing that Lindor, I hope other Latin players, and I know I've gone to Latin players with this, um, and I, you know, heck, there's, I mean, I mean, what was the running joke with Doug Deacon and I when we were doing Browns, and when we would get like when we would get guys from um, the island Samoans and island guys, he, he was and, and, and Deacon would basically be like, all he could do two. <laughs> I won't make fun of him the way I want to, but I'm just—I'll just say this: if Francisco feels a certain way and he wants to be respected for his Puerto Rican heritage, and he wants people to say his Puerto Rican name, then just stand up and say that in the very beginning. And I believe everybody would do that. And I think it's—and I think the true lesson to all of this—and I can move on from it. If you want to be called something, if you feel a certain way, and you want to be respected a certain way then you have to be man or woman enough to stand up in front of a room and say that if that was done, then this wouldn't even be a, this wouldn't even be a point of con- It wouldn't even be talked about. Also in a sports illustrated article, he talked about falling asleep during the um, game seven of the world series, taking a nap and people have made a big deal about that. I don't know why. Um, you tell you tell me one person you've met Zach that doesn't like taking a good nap during work. <laughs> if they're allowed to. Yeah, no, I mean, it just jumped up because of the circumstance. Um, but, but, like... But why? Well, well because it was Game know, 7 I'm of the World Series. Um, yeah, but, but you've been at a ballpark since noon, and it's like 11.30, 11.30 p.m., and you're tired out of your mind, and mentally you've been dragging the whole time. Yeah. If you think you can, if you think you can grab 15 minutes to recharge yourself, you would do it, right? No, listen, these guys specifically that play at this high level, they live in the extremes. Right. And then they all deal right. with the come down differently. Right. Like sure. some guys get to the stadium on Sunday morning exactly when they know the TV cameras will be there. Yep. Some guys yep. get yep. there three minutes before they got to be there so they don't get fined. Yep. And some guys <laughs> get there six hours early because every toe has to be taped a certain way. Every song that they've listened to since 10th grade has to be listened to twice. Right. Yep. Yep. The, the the water has to be consumed. The broccoli has to be consumed. The meditation has to do like everybody has their own routine to get to there and right. to stay right. there. Right. So like it struck me as this is headline worthy, but it did not surprise me. Now, obviously, I've never played anything at that high of a level. But yes, like different I'm guys wind themselves. Yeah. 
I'm glad completely you just said different that. because I because I, I like having perspective of another reporter when they because we all sit in these interviews. Like I've been like I've been interview like I've just done nothing but interview guy and, and it's been awesome the last two days. Now that I've passed all my tests and I'm actually in the bubble, I guess. Um, it has been tremendous to sit and I'm not bragging. I'm saying this to you as a fellow reporter because you'll respect this. It's been like Christmas the last two days to actually sit in the same room with guys yeah. and do interviews again. It's been I, I'm still thankful to Major League Baseball and, and and I haven't done very much and I haven't been out anywhere and I haven't even had a drink since I've been in Arizona. This might be the healthiest thing that's happened to me during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you said that that's a headline when you hear game seven, you took a nap and you're like, that's a headline. And I, and I guess not, I hear you say it that way. I would say, Oh yeah, that is a part of the story. And maybe I'm too far into the bubble. You know what I mean? Like I, and not the meaning the pandemic bubble, but just being in the bubble of being around guys and players. Um, Cause you're right. I remember before football games, when I would get to peek in, Half the team would be you would be in a mosh pit, um, the, you know the other you know a fifth of the team is praying, and then you got the guys that are in the club dancing still half naked in front of their own teammates showing right. up that they know every dance and they went to a club last night. Like there's just differences. Um, but and I guess here I, here's what I would give in to add into the sleeping story. Lindor was notorious for coming to the ballpark early, and this is part of the re- and this, and I'm not here to give excuses for him. I just know his routine. He came to the ballpark, and the one thing that everybody respected about him from the very beginning is he figured out a routine, Michael Brantley helped him get it going, and he stuck to it. For a 7 o'clock game, he'd get to the ballpark at 12, 1 o'clock. He'd have batting practice early. Um, he, would, he would do fielding drills at 3 o'clock, and then he would take a nap. Like, it was known, you know, for two hours, an hour and a half before first pitch, Frankie was somewhere in the clubhouse, somewhere within the, in the building, taking a nap. There are many guys that do that. So I guess for me, I'm like, I know there's certain guys that take naps when, when, when time stops. There's other guys, um, like Brian Shaw in that same time, by the way, I know people won't let, love hearing this. I love Brian Shaw. Um, he has not changed one bit, and I'm pretty sure he's going to make the team. Um, he's throwing pretty hard. He's hilarious. Um, and this is the first time I've ever been in a clubhouse and locker rooms. The players are more excited to see me than I am to them because they just haven't seen anybody in it yet. Um, but the last thing I'll just say on the Lindor thing, it didn't jump out to it as a story to me because I've known, I've known him, and I know that he likes to take naps. You know, so and at the same time, while he was taking a nap, Brian Shaw was right behind the dugout, throwing a ball into a wall for 20 minutes straight, yelling at me to go get the tarp off the fucking field. <laughs> so there's like, there's just different, you know, there's different ways people deal with preparing for the world, game seven of a World Series. <laughs> um, it's funny you say that too, because I, I want to share this because you and I were texting about this the other night and while you were still finishing your quarantine and you were like, this is completely relatable. Um, Monday morning, I went to the Kent state pro day and, you know, of course I had that permission. <laughs> of course I had to follow protocol and all of that. Um, but like Sunday, not even night, but afternoon all the way through till five seconds before I walked out the door Monday morning, I was like a kid at the first day of school and not that I was that excited. I mean, I was, but guys, I haven't covered an event. <laughs> In a year. I know. I know. Um, there are a number of things that I've had to make sure that I have presentable clothing for. In a year, I can count on one hand. And so right. it was in the morning, and free agency period started at noon. So I had to not only get there and be there, but be ready in case there was a huge trade or a huge move. And, like, even in normal times when we can go to pro days – one, I've never been to one that started on time, ever. 
And two, when you're me, yes, you're going there and, you know, if you can tweet out the 40 time and you're getting your, your access, whatever, but like, the main thing is you're hoping like hell that somebody – and I knew no GMs would be there because free agency was starting, right? But, like, you're hoping right. like hell that you can just catch up with some scout, you know, just to get some background stuff. And if that For goes sure. two hours after the pro day, then that's right. So, like, there was this huge checklist of, okay, I have to wear pants. All right, where where are my <laughs> pants? <laughs> okay, yeah. I have to be plugged in. Oh, ooh, that's tough. I have to have my laptop and my laptop charger. I have to have a notebook. I have to have my recorder. Like right. all of those things just haven't done right. in a damn year. Right. So it was like um, when I was done, it was like a mentally exhausting thing. And, you know, came back and Browns made the one. But that's it's different times. It just it just is. Right. So and no, it, no, you said something else. So that's perfect. And I hope and that's the same thing that happened to me. And I'll, and I'll get back to where you're going. I got into the the Indians club into the building finally. Uh, this is Wednesday, Monday, and I won't say any names, but you just said it when you talk about talking to scouts. I got a ton of great stuff on tape that people will see throughout the, throughout the next month, next week, next month. Fox Eight's been running stuff. Tristan McKenzie's got some cool stuff that'll run today and tomorrow. Uh, Roberto and I got a cool story on Logan Allen coming. They'll all be on Fox Eight over the next few days. Um, but I sat down with a couple different coaches and talk to them without the mics on. And I literally could have got back on a plane, went to Cleveland and been ready for opening day. Like, you know, in like an hour, just having a conversation, you know, just like and BSing. Like, what's up with this guy? What's up with this guy? But you know how much you I miss doing that part of my job where you really learn about the team and you learn about what, what you're actually supposed to be looking for? Um, I miss that, Zach. I miss the, like you said, when you just talk to a scout who can tell you more about athletes that are getting drafted than anyone else without – Without doing it and telling on people, you know, without without telling everything that sure. they're going to do, you need that in this business. Yeah, yeah. No, one of my favorite um, memories is the Ohio State Pro Day, the big one, five, six years ago. Zeke, Joey Bosa, all those guys, right? And right, I remember it being over or about to be over. Anyway, there was like off to the side. I think maybe Joey Bosa wasn't going to do the workout, and then he decided to. Well, anyway, all of a sudden, the, sh- the tension shifted to one corner of the field house. And Joey Bosa is going to go through the bags, right? Well, Joey Bosa is an incredible football player. He's had an incredible career. As far as college football players go, he's one of the best that we've seen at his position in a long, long time, right? Like, right. obviously, he can go through the bags, Right, And so I just happened to walk into as everybody was shifting to one corner to a to a scout that worked at the Browns a million years ago and who I've known and and I talked to at these events. And I, I bring this up like, is this really this big of a deal? And he goes, it's funny you say that. He goes, because look, like whoever's first in line goes, this guy was the best player in his high school and the best player for four counties. This guy was a three time, um, you know. Big Ten, honorable mention, whatever, played a million football games, is probably going to get a shot in the NFL. He's like, no, watch him go through the bags. He's done it a thousand times too. He goes, no, watch Joey Bosa do it. He goes, so even the best of the best, that's where they show you because they're just so much different. And these guys are out looking for the different, the best of the best, the biggest freaks. So these pro days have some value. Now this year's different because it's the only exposure that they get to these guys, right? right? But like... You see that, and that's when you truly appreciate 
the really good to the holy shit wow, you know? Um, yeah. Well, a, we've always said that. Just just tell people the first time we saw Braylon Edwards walk out to practice. I was telling this story last night to somebody. I was just like, because I don't know how Braylon came up. He was a Michigan guy. And I go, Zach Jackson and I always marveled at no matter how stupid and how dumb certain things Braylon said and how he had seen B and Chanel was telling him he should learn about Brian Sype the day he was drafted and all that other shit because he said he didn't know anybody that wore 17 with the Browns. <laughs> Typical Braylon moment. But despite all of that, I remember standing next to you when he walked out to practice the first time and we both, our mouths dropped. Because on a field full of thoroughbreds, he stood out. Yeah. Like, <sighs> amazingly. He did. Um, and, yeah, and that's what, you know, the Browns are looking for. Uh, quick thought, because I want to continue this discussion, but I do want to say this. Jerry, they've made two signings as of this recording. Um, Tack McKinley, former first-round rusher, who you remember is the guy that dropped the F-bomb in the interview after <laughs> the night he got drafted. Um, Don't you wish people could hear, like, some of our pre <laughs> conversations? <laughs> Had a good start to his career. His last two seasons ended in injury. Um Kept getting waived last year because he was hurt, and he had a Twitter blow-up with the Falcons. Um, then teams kept claiming him, and he wouldn't pass their physical, so they'd put him back out there, and other teams would claim him. And I don't know. I mean, he's 25, and if he can be healthy, he can help your pass rush. He's not a starter, but it's it's a good you know low-risk proposition. They, they did pretty much guarantee his one-year salary, so the hope is that you know he's going to be – the thought is he's going to be in the rotation, and the hope is that he can give you something. Um, and then you can move miles around and things like that. They're not done there yet. Um, as far as John Johnson, the safety, you know, he fits what you would like if you're going to spend in free agency. He's only 25. He can play different positions. He called the signals. Like, everybody speaks highly of him as a person and a player. Like, gives you a lot of options. Now, the easy thought, and I have this too, is – you know they're gonna see we're gonna see three safeties a lot more than we saw last year. That's a trend around the league. And last year, I just don't think For we sure. saw a lot of how the Browns really want to play defense because of the personnel issues. The other thing I think is it's a hedge on Grand Delpit. Like you drafted this guy high yeah. last year and thought that he would be different, and maybe he still will be. But when a 21 year old misses a whole year, and you know is he real? Even if he's physically cleared and back to 100 percent speed, that's a big if. Like. Is he really ready to go? So we'll see in that regard. Um, I trust the Browns. I trust that they have a plan. You know, I think they intended to have a real pass rusher by now. Um, I'm not buying that they were totally willing to sit out. It just didn't go their way, but I trust that they're ready for this. It is a little interesting because safety is less premium, I guess is the word, than than pass rush, than corner. But, you know, right. it's early. like I said, the whole vibe is different. One, this is unprecedented territory for the Browns. Being good and trying to get better and dealing with right. guys you have to actually extend. You know, and two, like, you, you just have worries about the cap. And, yes, you can go through and restructure guys and convert to bonuses and push things ahead, but you pay for them eventually. And, yeah, you know, you if it looks like a methodical approach, I'm fine with that. I just... I need to see more eventually, and the Browns are a desirable destination for guys who get cut in May and get cut in August, and that's what's different too. But, like, we all watched this defense last year, guys. It was awful. So I am totally fine with starting with safety because I've always thought the safest way to use free agency is to just take an area of weakness and at least patch it up, if not turn it into a semi-strength. And the safety play last year was god-awful. So, um, god-awful. 
in that regard, you start from there, and, and I'm fine with it. Well, Sadejo was a bad word to say last year for a reason uh, in Northeast Ohio. So I think you said something, and I want to touch on that part, and, I'll, and then we can move on to something else. Um, I think it's easy for us to, to sit around and think we know what the Browns need in our minds and how we see things. But and this is the fight that I've had, and I know there's a Twitter follower out there that I love that always wanted to kill the Browns defensive coordinator. I don't think we ever saw the Browns play the defense the way that they that the way that they want to play defense. And as you said, the way they want to play defense and the way a lot of teams are playing defense nowadays is playing two linebackers, three safeties, and that's basically your base defense. The Browns didn't have the, the, the Jimmys and Joes to run the defense that the defensive coordinator runs. So it's hard to judge the defense or judge the defensive coordinator when he didn't have the, the bodies. Um, so you may have – suddenly guys in the front end are going to look a lot better than the guys did um, yeah. in the front end last year because the back end should be more to the speed of what they have. And, Zach, let's be honest. We've talked about it on the podcast. Delpit, you when you draft a guy that high – and, and the guy that you didn't draft in, in Winfield ends up, you know, helping his team go to the Super Bowl, you're damn right they're doubling down on Delphi. He's a second-round pick. You drive guys on the second day of the draft, you expect him to play 50, 60, 70 snaps a night. Um, yeah, his Achilles snap, but to them, they've already put a, they've put a lot into the safety position um, with this kid. And after you saw what you saw last year, he better be able to play. Yeah, Um that's a heck of an investment, right? So, and like I said, I, I, I've said this, and especially over the last couple of years, I've made sure to clarify my thinking on this. Like, good, bad, or indifferent, and it's usually one of the last two, you never judge a guy on his rookie year. But, I, you know, him not having one, it's just so important because it's not as much the results or the Sundays or the rehab as it is just the going through the season and having a bad play and having a good one and going through the grind of, okay, where is your best spot? How are teams attacking you? What's the feel? What can you really do? Because until you get out there, you just don't know, right? And so, like, Grant Delpit's pedigree, Thorpe Award winner, big-time recruit, national champion, like, everything says that he's a potential second-round steal. But he's got to get out there and do it and get better and show he's healthy before before he's done anything in the NFL. I mean, right now he's had three NFL practices. So, you, right. you know, we'll see um, what happens there. I, I think, you know, you'll continue to see them add to the defense. Um, the nature of this beast seems to be one-year deals and, and different guys. They've got to get more experience. They've got to get better. Um, why does safety make sense, Dre? Because last year no lead was safe. <laughs> right? So... Um, <laughs> It can't just start there. Eventually, you got to get better, but I think that's a fine starting spot if you're going to say, okay, hey, we could get one guy on Monday and you feel bit, feel good about him. It, you know, I think that's a fair place to start. Very fair. Very fair. I think free agency, I think A.J. Green just signed here with the Cardinals. Um, you know, it's I've said this to you before, and I'm, if I said it on the podcast before, please ride with us. I – Love. I drove around yesterday when I left the um, facility because I didn't go to the game yesterday. And I just listened to the Arizona Sports Talk. And obviously, it's free agency talk out here right now. Um, and they were talking about wide receivers. And I almost called you. I almost wanted you to listen to what they were talking about. Because, and it, I mean, I'm not, I just thought, what's the deal for uh, A.J. Green? Like, I think it's two years or one year, eight million. Yeah, one year, eight mil, so, it looks like. Yeah. Eight mil. 
And they were kind of bragging out in here in Arizona. They were freaking out because um, they wanted either T.Y. Hilton and, and they were looking at how receivers were signing yesterday. And they're like, well, maybe our GM knows what he's doing and, and the prices aren't going to be as high and, and the contracts aren't going to be as long term. And it was just funny to listen to another group of fans and hosts freak out about free agency. And, you know, and, but I did have this thought and I don't want to have this thought, but I had this thought. When I see A.J. Green, who, look, last year just his timing was, was off with the quarterback. He hadn't played really in two seasons. Um, he still he wasn't getting open the way he used to get open, and I'm just using it. And I didn't watch all of A.J. I didn't watch sure. every cut of A.J. Green. He just didn't look like A.J. Green, right? And, and I've been a big A.J. AJ Green fan. He only gets an $8 million deal to come to Arizona. It's like a prove-it deal, right? Um, you know I'm all about keeping OBJ, so this is just a conversation piece. And you know I'm a big Jarvis. I'm a I'm a big Jarvis guy. But when you see AJ Green trying to get a bounce back year for eight million, and there was another receiver, and and because don't you put OBJ and AJ Green kind of the same category, guys that their pet their best may be behind them a little bit. Well, no doubt. I mean, AJ is a lot older than Odell. Um, yeah, yeah. But going back to our prior discussion day, AJ's first couple years, I would go to Bengals training camp. And like oh. you would watch that cat glide, and you're like, "This the other guys are human beings, and he's not, right?" Like yeah. he, watching he him go through drills. <laughs> and remember, the other thing that probably relates best to him in terms of the Browns people, you know, Cleveland people listen to this. Joe Hayden mm-hmm. went on a run where Joe Hayden yep. was a damn good corner, a top five corner for yes, a sir. several year period. And Joe Hayden had some games where he clamped everybody, but who's the one guy he never did it to? AJ. AJ he could not clamp AJ. Yes. And it went back to college too. Remember, they went against they yeah. went at Florida and Georgia, and AJ just had. And you're right. I'm glad you said it about Joe, because Joe is a pro's pro, and yeah, he's not going to be a top five corner rusher. But when you make it to, to ten years as a cornerback in the NFL, you're a dynamite. Like you're you're unbelievable. Like think about it. The average career is three and a half years. You make it to year ten, and a position where your legs are the most important thing for you, um, you're you're in a different category. And I know that's hard for people to understand. That listen, that listen to this, but that's a position that you don't go 10 years. Um, and, and so, but I guess what I'm looking at and, and what I'm saying is when you look at free agency and how easy or hard it is for us in our minds to, because when you really want somebody, because, all right, what did you say to me when Trey, and if you want to have, can you have this conversation out loud? The conversation we had when the Bengals spent gobs of money for a guy that I think's a good player, but I don't think he's great. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, we can have that conversation. Okay. Um, and I think I texted you and I was like, is everybody freaking out because they didn't get, is it Hendrickson? What's his last name? Or, yeah. Trey Hendrickson's who they ended up with. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the Bengals paid him. They paid him a lot of money. And Zach, let me say this. I know he had his best numbers in sacks last year, but the things that worry me, and this is not fair because some free agents turn out fine, but the things that concern me played on turf, played in the dome. I know there wasn't fans, but he got to play opposite a lot of good pass rushers. He got to play in a defense that was blitz heavy that you, you probably were doubling the other defensive end most of the time. Hey, he got the numbers. He got the sacks. I will not take that from him. But when you go to the Bengals, the circumstances are going to be way different <laughs> when he lines up on September whatever, and the guy on his opposite side, talented, young, good, but not the guy he lined up opposite side in New Orleans. And, you know, like we've always said, um, you know, and I compared it to Kevin Schaefering to you on the phone. 
And I was like, remember when he signed with the Browns and he was going to be the, you know, he was the right tackle for Michael Vick, but everybody was sure he could move over to left tackle and they gave him all this money. And we knew after, and like with the first play of the game against the Saints, didn't he get blown up? <laughs> he the, the first play of the 06 season, the touchdown to Braylon, God, we're talking about Braylon, was called back because Kevin Schaefer was holding. <laughs> yes. 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 And, and I remember like you and I instantly going, but I thought this guy could play left tackle. We knew after one play, his first play as a Brown, he had an oh shit moment. <laughs> Our point is you, a lot of GMs and scouts lose their jobs projecting guys in, in this yeah, time of the year. Well, I would say this because it played out really strangely. If it was anybody but the Bengals and they let Carl Lawson out the door, I'd say, man, there must be something up with Carl Lawson. Because it's the Bengals, yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay. <laughs> um, and the Bengals, listen, like, we've, you know, I said I covered them. Like, we've had some frank discussions. The Bengals are different. Um, the Bengals maybe don't deserve all of the shit they get from the outside world, but they deserve some of it. They do things differently, right? They they don't sit on a pile of wealth. Um, they, they have a way of doing things that they've stuck to for years. Fact is, they went on about a six or eight year run of drafting really well, and then went on about a six or eight year run of good football. They didn't get past the first round, but they were really good for for a long yeah. time by NFL standards, right? Their drafts have fallen off. The defense has been putrid, and now you let Carl Lawson and William Jackson both out the door. Hmm. So they did give Hendrickson a lot of money. They front loaded it in case it doesn't work. Um, we'll see. You know, you could say they went and got their number one pass rusher. The Browns haven't done that. Yeah. You know, um, the Ravens let their top two pass rushers out the door. So um, we'll see. It's been interesting. You know, it's most interesting for the wide receivers to be three days in and Kenny Galladay is not there. You know, Um, I mean, it's not a surprise for Shard Higgins is going to wait, but every hour that goes by, Go back to what somebody told me last week. There's not as much money outside waiting for Rashard Higgins right. as there is. These projections say there are. Put it that way. Hot so, Rod Higgins, Hot Rod Higgins, going to end up have to stay in somebody's basement in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it'd be interesting because the Browns are still paying a lot of money. Higgins or not, the Browns are still paying a lot of money to wide receivers, and you add John Johnson to the mix. Next year, there's 12 Browns players making $9 million or more on the books. Obviously, Jarvis or Odell, they're not both going to be at 16. But, right. like, you know, that does that 12 doesn't include Chubb and Teller. So. No. But I, I don't, I, I, what you're saying, and this is great, I love it. It's kind of like our conversation earlier on Lindor. Um, that's a great storyline for, for Zach Jackson of the Athletic to write about and keep in mind. Um, I say, because we've talked about, the, we've had discussions about, about caps in the NFL, Zach. And we've talked about how certain teams just, you know, the Rams. Why can't the Rams keep a good safety like this? Because they've thrown money around left and right for years and just balled out and went year to year and said, we'll deal with the cap later. Why are the Steelers backpedaling but still keeping guys and, and, and guys are taking hometown discounts? Because they've just, they basically said, screw the cap. We're going to do whatever it takes to overcome it and get around it. Why is, is, is Russell Wilson and, and the Seahawks battling back and forth? Because they paid him big money, and then they don't want to pay anybody on offense, and they've kind of pieced it together offensively because Pete Carroll wants to put all his money in the defense. And when you pay a quarterback a ton of money, suddenly you've got to skim on other things. My point to all of this is, is I don't care about the Browns' money situations. More money is going to be on the cap next year. 
They have saved more money than we can even discuss or talk about on this podcast in the last 10 years. And you figure it out. If, it, if, if Jarvis Land, if you get to the second round of the playoff, this is just a, a thought. You get, let's say you win a playoff game next year. Somebody will probably throw a parade because that's what we do in Northeast Ohio. Um, you're telling me, and, 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 I'm, and you know how I am, whether it's Jarvis or OBJ, and I want them both on the team. You make it to the second round of the playoffs, and you come back to them and, and, at this time next year, and you say, hey, guys, we love having you. We don't want to break this up, but we got to do something contract-wise to keep you guys on this team, or we got to move, move different. If one of those guys doesn't want to move money into a signing bonus or move money into a, a following year and would rather go out in free agency at, at the ages they're at and attempt to see what they can get, then here's the word. Kids, if you got kids in the car, turn the radio down for a second. And turn it back <laughs> up. If they, don't want, if, they don't want to, if they don't want to reassign and do what good teams do with their players when they get to that point, fuck them. <laughs> like, like, so I don't worry about it. Like, because I think at this point in time in, 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 in football and in our world, if you can't look in the mirror and understand that maybe you got to take a little bit less for the great situation you're in, then I don't want you on my team. Well, I'm not going to argue anything you said there. I'm going to offer one point of clarification just for this here. And that is, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of reasons that the Browns want Odell to come have a big year, including, like you just said, winning a playoff game and chasing a championship because you're there for the first time in forever, mm-hmm. right? And there's reasons that you can't trade Odell this year, and that's the $12 million of his money's guaranteed, and he's currently got one knee, right? Exactly. But can there's another reason that the Browns thing? want Odell to be good, and that's that a year from now he's under contract, but his contract is at the point that they can move him for exactly $0 of dead money. So they would love Odell to have a big year and then move on, then get something. Helps everybody. Right? Helps everybody. And, like, the, the, these are – we talked about personal in per, when it comes to personnel decisions. Like, you know, I think it matters that Nick Chubb is a no baggage, represent your organization, bust his ass, never say a word type of guy. And in relation to some other players, not just Browns players, I talked to someone last week who said, you better believe we take into account who the kind of guy is that would get on Instagram at 6 o'clock on Saturday night and really fuck up our season. Okay? Right. For sure. So, for sure. In, in the realm of that, like you have to take it out, and you have to understand, like the Browns just haven't been here in terms of having four guys to extend. The Browns just haven't been here in terms of okay, we need to move some money around to keep this team together. In an ideal world, like you said, Jared, we would keep them all. You'd, you'd keep them all together, and every person would want to be here. The fact is, Father Time's coming for J.C. Treader and for Joel Batonio. They never miss a snap. They're tough-ass, smart-ass dudes who everybody in that building respects. Their cap numbers right. for 2022 are $10 million, right. and they're, gonna, they're not getting any younger, right? Like, exactly. these are just the facts that eventually you got to make these decisions. The draft remains the lifeblood of your organization because you get young and cheap, controllable talent, but because you got to have guys ready that you trust and you know when you bring them up a certain way. The Browns have never done that, A, because they've drafted shitty, but B, there hasn't been a certain way to bring them up because everything's got blown up every year. Right. The scheme, the guys picking the players, the guys setting the tone in the locker room, right? Like, Joel Batonio's a unicorn. He's been here since 2014, right? J.C. Treader's a damn near unicorn. He's been here since 2016. For Miles, for Larry, for Denzel, like, they're this is the first year they've played in the same defense two years in a row in three years. For Denzel, that's ever. Amazing. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> so amazing. It's amazing. So you you come to this and it's good. It's, it's good problems to have. It's a sign that you're good. And ideally, you would like to have that. The fact is, you're not. Things change. Guys get hurt. Guys underperform. Guys get into a spot where you, they're just not welcome around. You don't want them around. Um, guys perform for the reason of knowing that there's more money out there. Some guys will stay. Will reduce. I mean, I think what we, what happens is online we all get caught up in, well, you could just renegotiate. Well, yeah, in the NFL you can convert bonus to that and pay for it later if, if you want that. But, like, when it comes to taking a pay cut, now we're in a different ball. <laughs> like, how many times do you see a guy, or the, you know, such and such team is willing to trade Johnny Jones? Well, the trade doesn't happen. He ends up getting cut. By the time it gets to that point, yep. the team's done with him. He ain't taking the pay cut. Yep. The team ain't finding a trade partner. They're moving on. It's happened this week six times, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 what you, and you know the adage, I'd rather bet on me than trust you, yeah. right? And I get players that feel that way, but a lot of them end up making what the other team was going to give them, and now they got to move their whole family and hold on. Look, and, I, and I've said this, and I'm going through this with the Indians to kind of just to wrap put a bow on this. Um, and you, we've talked about it on the podcast, and we continue talking about it. Nobody treats you like your first team treats you. Yeah. And I think that puts a pretty bow on what's going on with the Francisco Lindor in New York. Um, he may make, he may make 300, $400 million. I hope he makes every dime that he's worth, but he'll never have the relationships and have the situation and have the, the organization behind him the way he did in the original team that drafted him. It's the same thing that works in football. You know, if Chubb wants to get the, the highest dollar that running back can get in a year, then I'm sure everyone in Cleveland will tip their hat to him and say, thank you for, for all that you gave to us, Nick. Thank you for the years you took off your body and your legs. Good luck. And he'll get a lot of money from another team if that's really what the main thing is and the only thing that matters to him. But they'll never have the same regard and respect for him because once you're a hired horse, you're a hired horse, right? <laughs> it's just kind of how it works. So – this next year is going to be interesting. I will watch all the storylines that you and others that cover the Browns put out. But I'm going to tell you, as it, from a straight fan perspective, I don't give a rip about the, the, the situation that they're going to have cap-wise. I expect the professional team to be able to maneuver and get around it and deal with it and still keep the best players on the team. Will there come situations where you're going to have to make a decision between, um, you know, two great players? Sure. But you just made a good point you probably going to have to start reinvesting into the offensive line in six months, maybe even in the draft in a month, um, because Shredder's a snap away. Heck, even your left guard, who has been just great, and I'm not trying to put a whammy on him, but he, he played with Joe Thomas. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you don't know how much longer he has. Uh, it's, a constant, it's a constant thing that you have to keep going. Hey, look. The Indians have produced some of the best young pitchers in baseball over the last four or five years. Now suddenly they need to produce some field, some players in the field, some young players you know that play every day. Um, but then all of a sudden, because I had the scout say this to me, and he's talking about the constant cycle. He goes, yeah, some people are writing off that the Indians can't develop anymore. They don't have any more young pitchers in the minors. Well, it's like, well, the hope is the young pitchers that you have up here now can carry you for three, four years. And that amount of time you get, you, 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 you know, you, you use the young players that you have the field, in the field position players, you get them going, and you start drafting more pitchers and start developing them. As the scout told me, the train don't stop. You just don't sit there and say, wow, we got a good big league team, or wow, we got an NFL team. That's right. The train and the wheels keep running in the NFL, NBA, and in baseball because, because you can't sit on your laurels and be happy because you know in 24 hours 
24 days, 24 months, you know, it's going to look and feel and be different. It's just how it works. It is. It is. All right. How long are you out there? I am out here for another solid week. Um, We will have games. Today is Wednesday, St. Patrick's Day. We will be on the air live at 9 p.m. If you actually have um, Fox Sports or Sports Time Ohio, we are slowly but surely changing our branding name um, in the next, I think you'll see some on the game if you can watch the game or you can get the game. Uh, we will start branding our new brand. Uh, you will hear Bally Sports. I believe we're Bally Sports Great Lakes is what the games will be on. Um, so that's starting to change. For those that are asking about finding ways to see the game, I've been told they're working on Fox Sports Go will no longer be a thing here pretty soon. Bally's is working on having something uh, like that, like an app that you can use or an app that you can get on to see games. I know that they're trying to get deals taken care of before baseball season starts. So I don't have any names or numbers of when that will happen, but I've been told by our company they're working so more people can see Indians baseball uh, starting April 1st. So we'll see um, how that works out. And April 1st is opening day? April 1st is opening day. The Indians will be in Detroit. Uh, We will be on TV this week, today, tonight, uh, I believe tomorrow. Uh, Then again, actually, we won't be on tomorrow. I'm lying. (laughs) What's today? I got to look at it. Yeah, we're on today at 9 o'clock. Then we'll be on tomorrow um, at 4 o'clock against the Cubs. Then we won't be back on until Sunday, and then we'll do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, Then I'll come back home for a couple days, and the season will start. Now, will you be on the road when the team starts or no? When the season starts? As of right, as of right now, no. Um, I, I'm taking what my camera guy and I, Mitch, who's unbelievable. Um, he hasn't posted any of his videos yet on Instagram, but he's one of the best photographers in the business. Uh, when he does, please follow. You're going to see some really cool shit that he's shot out here. Um, we're at Tier 2 right now uh, for spring training. I think this is a little bit of a trial run to see if you can have people like me close to the team and and stay out of trouble um, and follow all the rules. So far, knock on wood, um, uh, I have been able to, and so is my camera guy. They're, I think we're going to start the season like we did last year, Zach, but I think the hope is by at least at the latest All-Star break, they hope that I'll be back to normal and hopefully back on the road. Right. It could be earlier. With how everything's going, it could be early. I'm hoping earlier, um, but I know that a month or so ago, the kind of the tentative plan was to hope that a country will be a little bit safer and that by – July, I could go back on the road and go back to being normal. We're hoping it'll be sooner than that, though, now that it seems like things are moving pretty fast and people are getting vaccinations and all that other good stuff. Have you seen a bracket? Uh, I've glanced. I'm not, you, you got to pull me in. I tried to do a podcast with you when the, the bracket came out because I knew that was going to be the, I, like, I can't wait for the bracket for the season to start. Maybe it's because I've been living in a hotel room for the last week. Um, I'm not giddy about it. I can't wait to watch the games, but I'm just kind of so hyped up. Like Friday morning, oh, they're going to yeah. be on when you wake up out there. Oh, on Thursday, yeah, I know it's going to be great. It's the greatest thing ever. And yeah. Friday, I don't. Oh, you just you just made me think of something else that I got to keep to myself. See, but I'm in the bubble, so I got to be <laughs> okay. Time to sign off. <laughs> yeah, well, but see, the first thing I thought was, oh shit, I really don't have to do that much work Friday. I can go watch, but at the same time, I can go watch, but it's like I get tested the next morning. Yeah, and the testing is and the right. testing is you're spitting in this thing. They did blood tests on me, like I got like it's and I respect it. I don't. It doesn't mean I'm crazy about it or I love it. And I'm sure the players feel the same way. I can only imagine they've been doing this, you know, since last July. Um, I don't love it, but I respect it. Sure, and I don't want to be 
I, and I'll tell a quick story um, that I probably, I got to be careful with. Um, so yesterday I'm sitting in a room in a big room and we're all spaced out and I'm interviewing, I'm getting done interviewing Eddie Rosario, who I think Cleveland fans are going to like a lot. Um, and there's a, per, there's a PR person in the room. My camera guy's in the room. And during the, and you know how my, my, you know how our phones are. They never stop. Like they always are buzzing, ringing, whatever. And I didn't answer a phone call that during the interview. So as we had a pause and we were asking Eddie to do other stuff and do reads and different things, I looked down at my phone and I'm kind of like trying to turn it off and keep going off. And I can see in one of my messages, it says, I got a call from MLB. Well, part of the rules or how this thing works out here when you're in the bubble and you're in tier two or tier one, if you pass your test, if you pass your last test that you took, you just get an email from the team saying, you know, you're, you're negative, continue along, you know, the process that you're going on. But if you fail a test, you get a phone call. So in my mind, Zach, I had passed, you know, I've passed my first couple. Everything has been good. I've gotten emails, but you know, I'm interviewing somebody. So I'm not, you know, like my mind is, and I'm interviewing someone in a second language and we're trying to, and and I'm trying to get him to speak as much English as he can. I I want him to be comfortable with me. So I'm like just focusing on, I got to get good words out of Eddie. And when I look down and see that I got a call from MLB, I freaked out, turned my mic off and run outside. And my camera guy's like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? You're messing up our shots. And I, and I didn't want to say to the whole room, I think I failed my test. Well, it, it had nothing to do with my test. I was fine. Uh, it was about a whole different situation, a different thing. But that's what's in your mind the whole time because I don't want to be the guy that screws it up and gets somebody sick or, vi- or vice versa. So the first thought that went through my mind is uh, the Indians play out in Scottsdale. Um, it's a very nice area. It'd be a fun area to watch the rest of the games after the Indians play, but uh, I won't be doing anything that first went through my mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, thank you for listening. Um, wait, 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 You're a college basketball guy, and I got to get over to the park in a minute, but give me something. What are you looking into? What, what, I mean, Illinois, Illinois' big dude looks like he was built to play back in the day when Patrick Ewing was at Georgetown. Yeah. I love yeah. the I love the Patrick Ewing's Georgetown way is stuck into Madison Square Garden. And, and Patrick Ewing did – I don't know how great a coach he is, Zach, but he did do a great thing for his team and the type of team that he has in this time of the year. He took the focus completely off his kids after that first-round game, and then they went and smoked the rest of the biggie. I thought that was a tremendous job by him. Shout-out to him. He's now a better coach than Chris Mullen in my mind. All right, so some teams that aren't number one seeds that I think could make a run. Um, Texas, Alabama, Texas Tech, West Virginia. Um, Oklahoma State. Some things that worry me, obviously, would be that this was just the strangest season ever, and it got over, and teams were immediately sent to Indy, mostly by bus, and had to sit in hotels and wait, and they'll play in front of 3,000 people. And it'll be weird. And it's been a weird year, so we'll see. Um, I would expect the madness in March Madness. Um, Cleveland State, shout out to Dennis Gates, who's done an amazing job, and they're a great story. I think Houston was really maybe the worst team they could have drawn, but we'll see. For the Ohio Bobcats, I think they got a good draw. Virginia has COVID issues, has not been able to practice this week and will not even arrive until the day before the game. That's just something to keep in wow. mind. Uh, Coach Bowles, um, 
uh, I got a good story about him I'll tell later, but he was on the radio um, with Raj and Ken, I think, on Monday morning. Yeah, it's when I was driving to Kent. And this is what it's been. And, and shout out to all the players and the coaches, but especially the players this year who have been through this. And again, this is part of the reason I don't know anything that's going to happen. I thought Michigan was far and away the best team, and then they lost a starter last week to a broken foot, so I don't know that anymore. But he said his kids won the match. Jerry, on Saturday night, and because of the protocol, they were not allowed to see their families after the game. They were locker room, locked down to buses to Indy. So um, that just sucks, but it's the world we live in, and we'll see. I mean, for what most of us care about is there will be basketball on TV on Friday, and we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, we care about that, but I care more and more about what these kids are going through, and I – like, it sucks that these kids are going through those. And I thought about that. I thought about it. I was like, man, if these kids are winning, are they allowed to see their parents? And I get why they can't. Um, but you know what? I'm staying positive. We hopefully are at the um, – we're, we're rounding, you know, turn right. four at the Indianapolis Five. I can get my shot stadium. next week here, so. I, I'm getting mine as soon as I get off the plane. I've been trying to get one out here. We could do a whole podcast on how <laughs> – all right, here's what we'll end on. Here's a story with Dre to, show, to, to hear how freaking crazy I truly am. Um, and you guys can make fun of me. So um, when I got out here, it was 55. And I'm just to the point, man. And, I, and, and we can have, like, I know that there's black people, the Tuskegee. Um, if, you wanted, if you want to know why black people are afraid of vaccines, check that out. Check that story out. Um, I've had conversations with family members about it. Um, but I, I, I need to get back to regular life. I want to feel safe. I want to get back to being able to sit in rooms interviewing guys. I want to be able to go to bars with my fucking friends um, and be myself and feel comfortable. And until I'm comfortable, I'm not doing any of that shit. Just I'm not. Um, so when I got out here, like there's, it's like a free-for-all. Arizona is just a different world, different state, obviously, in so many ways. And they actually have – they've had a, a site set up at the football stadium, Zach, for like the last three weeks, 24 hours. You can go out and get a shot. So when I first got here, um, one of the one of the equipment guys was like, Dre, they're like, if you take somebody, if somebody has an appointment, um, you take them to get their appointment, they'll just give you a shot if you drive. So I'm literally going, so when I was finally released, um, so I literally drove out there before I had to go into my quarantine to stay in my hotel room. And I texted my wife, I texted Jen, and I was like, I'm just looking for somebody that's getting a shot so I can get me one. And she's like, what is wrong? And I, I took a picture, and I'm outside of the, the, the Arizona Cardinals Stadium. And she's like, what the hell is wrong with you? I was like, I'm trying to get my shot. So, so obviously I couldn't. I go back to my hotel room, and I stay in, and I start doing research on how to get shots in Arizona or wherever else. So another guy told me, when you go to a local CVS or Walgreens or whatever, if they're running out, they like I've heard three different people tell me that people they've been offered shots because you know they had to get rid of the shots. So Monday, Mark Mike Sarball, third base coach for the Indians, sits down in the room across from me. I'm like, "What's up, Sarby? How you doing?" And he's like, "What's up, Dre?" And I go, "How old are you, Sarbs?" And he like gives me this weird look. I go, "You got your shot yet?" And my camera guy's giggling in the background because he knows what I'm getting at. Sarby's like, "Yeah, man, I can't get it yet, man. I'm not old enough." I go, "Damn, Sarby, you ain't 55." <laughs> and he goes. Did you really ask that because you wanted to take me to get a shot so you could get one? I go, you goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I start interviews. So Sarby goes, Dre, he goes, Dre, if you just go to the pharmacy around 530, he goes, I've heard a couple times around 530, they're giving out, they're, they're giving out shots if they're been here extra. So what do I do? I go to the game that day and I go to the pharmacy at 530 and just walk up and down the aisles. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ah, I still ain't got one, but if man, if one sneaks out, you better believe it's going to my arm. But I do have an appointment uh, right when I land next Thursday, so it's perfect. All right. Nice, nice. Hey, thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Honeymoon. Thanks to Scene. Thanks to American Fireworks. Always open at AmericanFireworks.com. Maybe the Bobcats pull off the upset on Saturday night. We get out there and shoot off some fireworks and celebrate. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you guys, as always. Dre, glad we could catch up this morning slash afternoon. And um, as usual, we don't know when it'll be, <laughs> but we <laughs> promise we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Konnichiwa, Frankie. I'll call you Francisco, but I'm also always going to be lazy.